Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy, and I'm Ben Slowey, and today on the show, I have singer-songwriter Banana Fish uh, joining with me. Um, her uh, couple songs uh, are on Bandcamp currently, um, among them are Cope With Love, which is a really, really great song. Um, it's like five and a half minutes, too. It's pretty long. Pretty long. Um, and then uh, you have a couple other songs uh, on Bandcamp as well, which are Not Enough, I Can't Love Anyone, and Abandoned Again. Victoria, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm awake. Yeah. That's a, that's a blessing, right? Um, yeah. I'm still really, really tired. Um, I woke up like out of like a really deep sleep this morning, like from my alarm. And when that happens, like I'm usually kind of groggy for like the rest of the day, you know. Yeah. My solution is always warm water, boiled water. Mm hmm. Are these flavored waters? No, no. It's just it's the the mason jars are colored. Okay. But sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we stay hydrated on Mr. Nice Guy. But anyway, uh, so um, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear through our passionate and creative minds. And um, I sadly haven't actually seen you perform, but I got to talk to you uh, during FemFest. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, what you've been working on and stuff, like creatively, uh, through your music and everything, and um, I do really, really like your music, though, so that's why I was like, oh my god, I gotta have Banana Fish uh, over here to talk, uh, you know, everything that's uh, going into your work and everything, so, um, so to start, um, I would love to hear, I, I guess, a little bit about what, where you started finding music as, like, a, a creative outlet for yourself, like, when did you start playing and everything? Um, well, I actually started playing music when I first came to about the time when I came to the States, which was three. My dad played in the Moon Club Band, my mother, everyone in my family played an instrument, even my grandparents like sang in the church choir. Um, so it's just a very big part, and for my aunts and uncle on my mother's side, they all did too. It was just a very big part of my family. My dad played in New Orleans every morning go off for three years. So it's just a huge part of our family. I grew up with it. It's always been a presence. And my mom listened to the golden oldies. But I started playing violin and piano in the second grade. That was really it. And then I picked up clarinet later and stuck with that. And I played clarinet in middle school. And then I played bass clarinet too. Nice. Shout out to the bass clarinet. Bass clarinet, yeah. No one's messing with no bass clarinets when you have that little stick on the bottom. Yeah. Nope, nope. Uh, it's just, uh, it was a very fun instrument. I miss playing that. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think, how old was I? I was, I think I was... I think it was 19 when I first bought a ukulele. Oh, well. And that's when I really started playing ukulele. And how old are you now? 
Twenty-six. Twenty-six. Yes. Um, also, it's been about a seven-year run or so, right? Um, when you started playing ukulele, like, uh, I guess, were you um, kind of just doing it, like, for fun kind of stuff? Like, when did you start, like, actually writing and, like, creating songs? I was doing it for fun, um, because in high school, all the cool kids play, like, string instruments. And yeah. then I had a friend at the time, Teddy Bresson, who was very talented, and we would have these car rides with my friend Nathan, and we would sing in the car. It was, I had, it was this weird but very cool thing. And we'd have these really interesting, like, complex harmonies going on. And, um, trying to think. And I just, I missed that. And I loved music so much. And I still do. I love music. And I remember just buying ukulele just because I thought it'd be fun. And it was the cheapest instrument at Wade's that wasn't, like, a flutophone or a recorder. Mm -hmm. Right. So the price was very right. I just tell you that's really why. Nice, sure. Yeah. When was uh, when was like the first time you um like uh, played your music in front of people? Uh, it wasn't until like I think it was that summer, because I remember just learning covers because I didn't really know how to play ukulele and just. Learning how to play covers, that was the best way for me to learn and keep me intrigued. Mm -hmm. And then, um, my parents didn't really understand at the time. They just thought it was just another hobby I'd pick up and then forget about. Yeah. Right. Within a few months, that's why I bought the cheapest instrument. Because if it didn't work out, it's only not much money. And then, um, I wrote a song because I had a friend who was going back to China. And... I didn't know how to prep her for what I had been through when I went back. And so I didn't really know how to verbalize how I felt. I wasn't very good at expressing my feelings back then. And so I just sung about it because it helped me feel better. And I ended up recording it and it became my first song, which was like Amy's song because it was for her about like going back home and everything that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, where did uh, Banana Fish come from? Uh, J.J. Salinger, he's best known for Catcher in the Rye. And uh, what he, um, what he's best known for now, but he, during his time, among his contemporaries, he was best known as a short story author. And he wrote an anthology with nine stories that had nine stories in it. And the first story was A Perfect Day for a Banana Fish. And I was just looking for a moniker at that time. Because I didn't want to use my name. Not that I didn't like it, but I just didn't want... One, stalkers. And then two, it was also very easy to figure out if someone liked my music if I had a moniker. Mm -hmm. yeah. If they were like, oh, Banana Fish. And so I just, I love the story of it. Very good. It's, I would honestly say that's his best work, is Nine Stories. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's very, very, very good. And I love the twist and I loved, I felt like it really encapsulated my vision for my music at that time. 
I didn't really know why, but the more, the more that I look back at it and at that story and what my music is, it really does capture that essence. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, since I like first heard that banana fish, I've always like kind of been like imagining what that looks like. Do you know the story? No, I don't. Okay, I'm gonna spoil it. Spoiler alert. Um, so in the story, um, Seymour Glass is on the honeymoon with his wife, um, and so what happens is that um, he's on the honeymoon, and his he's outside, and his wife is talking to his her mother, and it's clear not then, but like now what we know PTSD that he has PTSD I think that known as shell shock is after World War Two mm -hmm. shortly after and um, he's afraid of the trees doesn't like people looking at his feet and so in the story Seymour meets a little girl nothing weird just you know a guy being friendly yeah and um, he tells her a story about this fish banana fish and the fish they eat bananas and so they go into a cave I actually wrote a song about it, and they eat bananas, but because they're so greedy, they're too fat to fit through. Huh. So they end up starving to death. Oh, wow. And at the end of the story, while his wife is asleep on the bed in the uh, hotel, wherever they're staying, he um, cocks the gun, puts it in his mouth or up to his head, I forget where, but it's against his head and shoots himself and that's the end of the story wow damn oh. that sounds like it has some uh, ebbs and flows in the tone oh it's 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 very very dark I've always loved that yeah for sure yeah yeah I mean uh, we read Catcher in the Rye in high school but that was like Catcher in the Rye is not just better one <laughs> well. like uh, scratchy, um, scratchy needle on a phonograph record, um, which was later renamed Blue Melody Against um, Salinger Wishes. It's very good. Um, you should really look into his short stories. It's sure. Good. Do okay. not read Hapworth. It's a waste of your time. It's okay. worse work. Sure. Okay. Duly noted. Um, I will. I, I feel like it's like I don't read much, um, but I think that. If, especially if they're short stories, like, um, I think that that would be more appropriate for my attention span these days. Because I, I have, like, the worst attention sometimes when it comes to reading. They're very captivating. Good. Well, that's awesome. Um, sure. So, um, yeah, I guess, like, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about the songs that you've uh, dropped already. Uh, how do you typically record? Um, trying to think. Usually when I record, um, I don't know, it usually comes out of a place of like great emotional torpor. So for example, I'm really struggling with something, so, um, Cope With Love, the song that you really like came out of, um, I was, it was after a breakup, and I was in, um, during this relationship, I was joining at the hip with this, uh, my girlfriend at the time and then afterward I was learning how to function and live alone mm -hmm. and sleep alone and that was really hard because it was just I mean when you 
you know, sleep together with someone, just go to sleep in the same bed, there's this just presence. Like, even if you're not touching each other, you can roll over and feel them. That was gone, and I really, my body didn't know how to physically handle it. I would cry myself to sleep every night. It was, Jesus, it was depressing. Um, and so I just kind of wrote that song and just set record on my phone. So I have so many takes of random stuff on my phone that may be used later for songs and that I'm working on. And then what I'll do is I will go through with like a pen and pad and I will listen to that song and write down the lyrics and like fix it if like it doesn't make sense. But like mm -hmm. if the word, like I couldn't decide on a word so I just like put in a filler word and then come up with a better phrasing and then I record on my nice recording gear because I'm not going to use it for a demo take. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that um, that song, like there's just such a very like, a really um, convicted somberness that uh, is in your voice and like with against like the like the strumming and stuff like I don't know it's a, it is a really really like powerful song like if I was I, I, I like to when I'm listening to songs I'd like to sometimes like play out like if my life was like a movie or something like what scene would this song be playing in and this is like when like when I'm really truly defeated about something that's kind of what I've had in mind listening to that song yeah, it was just about that, and then for me, being adopted, whenever like I have a breakup or I'm seeing somebody and it ends, and it's not even official, it's very painful for me because it's just reliving that abandonment trauma, which is very, very difficult. I've been better with it, but it's something that I realized at the time that was a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with that, um, how about the song Abandoned Again? That was, I found, how do I say this? I found out a very good friend of mine who was going through the divorce and, um, and I didn't hear from them. I was, it's just, which was hard because they were not communicating and they're a very private person. Just, they just are. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay, but for me it was hard because we were best friends and we still are and then I found out and I was thinking like I feel so bad like they must feel so alone pretty much like how I felt after the breakup but even worse because you're going through a divorce like, right there's legal proceedings yeah there's involved, legal proceedings yeah. and they had a child together yeah sure so it's even like tougher and especially because they were adopted as well I'm like oh my god gosh I was be so awful like just you know and so I didn't know how to like put it into words and so I just like saying it because I'm like I, I feel very like there's such a way about this I don't know how to describe it so I just saying it immense empathy sounds like yeah um yeah for sure uh, then uh, not enough oh not enough um that song was it an actually? I'm trying to think. It was written about me. Because it was about uh, when you love someone and your love isn't enough. 
and it was about like a time in my life when I just didn't believe it was enough. I mean, it's just it was a very it's probably one of my more personal songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I wrote it, like I was thinking about I had a a family member who has a very severe attachment issues and it was just kind of about like a mix of both of the things that we struggle with that song and about like how like you can love someone and how in my life I was coming to the realization that love isn't enough and my whole life I have been told it was and it was me grappling with that for sure yeah um yeah and that's it, it truly stings like when it feels like your best isn't enough or like giving yourself to like um, giving everything you have to somebody only for it to not be what somebody wants can be a true it can it can it's like true um, face to face with like your you know deepest darkest feelings definitely. I mean, it wasn't even just like, uh, it wasn't about romance, it was more so about, and this is like, everyone says I write songs about breakups and relationships, and while that is true, they're about something deeper, and it's about that like loss of love, and like some songs, yes, the language is much more relationship focused, like, but like with Not Enough, it's more so, it could be used for any type of relationship. Parent, child, friend, friend, sibling, a sibling, you know, or like this could be me to my parents, and mm-hmm. say my parents were the put the person struggling in the song. It could be any relationship, and what was so hard about this song and playing it, not just technically, because it is a very technically hard song for me to do. I don't like playing it because it is very hard, and it is so long. Um, is that emotionally it's a very it's one of the hardest songs for me to do all my other songs are nowhere near as hard as this one there are only a couple that like get close sure sure what it's not saying? about the lost relationship the relationship is still there it's just when you okay when you watch Hallmark movies or rom-coms maybe not rom-coms but some like drama movies like the overarching theme that we see in society today and I've seen and especially what I've been told in my life maybe not explicitly but like just like the theme has been that love is enough like love conquers all like your love saved me I mean look at Belle and Beast like her love totally turned him around okay let's be honest <laughs> yeah. um, and the thing I came to realize when writing that song was that not that the relationship ended, but that your love was not enough to save them. That no matter how much love that person had from you or whatever, no matter how much love, even though maybe one million people across the world, over one million people may love them and their family and all you guys love them, it won't be enough to save them from themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, especially if you guys come from the same place, what does that mean for you? How about, um, I can't love anyone? Oh, that was written, uh, trying to think, uh, that was written in May. Um, I was seeing somebody at the time, and whenever I start seeing something, somebody, I mean, it ended, 
I always want to self-sabotage. I know this about myself. I always want to nuke the relationship. Just be like, nope, this is this is too scary. You know too much. We're over. I I, I want to be with you, but I, I'm not going to deal with how I feel, so it's yeah. just going to be over. Um, and that's not a good thing to do because otherwise, even with like friendships, you will nuke those relationships too if you keep that habit up that is not a good or healthy habit to have. And so for me, I was just like, you know what, maybe if I just write about it and just put in a healthy outlet and then box it off, yeah. and then that way I can like come back to it and deal with it instead of like nuking myself, which is not a good thing. And and so I wrote that song because it was talking about that fear of how I was afraid, and I still am, that I can't love anyone because I felt so damaged. Like, I see good examples of love, like my parents, my grandparents, my siblings with their spouses. They're very, very good and healthy examples. But for me, when I think about love, I just think about my birth parents who loved me so much they gave me up and how I am afraid to love anybody or be loved because if love means leaving, why would I do it? If love means abandonment, why would I ever put myself in it? Mm-hmm. And so that song was a bit of a, like a syllogism, very, very complex thing for me and like my son to come to terms with it. And I sent the track to the girl and she was very confused. I should have given her a warning because when I send those to friends, I'm so used to them knowing my music and knowing just my discography already and my vision that when they're like, oh, this is really cool, man. Or like, oh, this is really interesting. I like it. Or, Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did not have the same effect because right. I did not give her any yeah. <laughs> She's like, so you want to end things? I was like, oh, this is just a new song I wrote. She's like, but do you want to end things? I was like, oh, I mean, no, but like, I guess if you do, I guess, like, I'm not going to stop you. Right, right, right. And later yeah. ended up ending on due to other reasons, but it's just, it's just for the best. But yeah. it's definitely, I think, pivotal in helping me realize a lot of things. Totally. Um, yeah, I think we do that, like that nuking relationships or pushing people away. Uh, it's like a, it's to protect us, especially when we deal with abandonment issues. Cause, um, I have severe abandonment issues as well. Um, and, uh, I feel like, I think I do the same thing with my relationships sometimes, like especially romantic ones. Um, because friendships, it's, much easier because if a friend leaves, you have other friends, you have other friend groups that you can be like, okay, like this friend group failed, but I'm kind of close to this friend group, so I'll just like ease yeah. into that one. It's very easy to have a safety net with that. And especially if you're like you're a person who practices monogamy, you can't really do that yeah. unless you want to be a cheater, which I don't condone cheating, not saying let's right. Um, unless you want to be a cheater, which I don't want to be. So you have to figure out how to not get over it, but how to recognize it and come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it will never, in my case, what I realized, it will never, unless you deal with it, it you will continue to self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it in so many people. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, like, 
it's honestly like a huge um it's a huge insecurity of mine I've had um that I feel like I can't sustain like a lasting like romantic relationship with somebody because I've had four four like actual like real relationships and uh, none of them lasted more than nine months um three of the four of them like all ended around the like same exact amount of like time we spent together which was that nine month mark the other one only made it to about six but like and I've always been that one to break up too and I don't know if it's because like I I mean part of it is sort of like seeing you come to terms around that amount of time with the compatibility you see with this person because you know each other's emotional boundaries and capacities and emotional intelligence and whatnot like that definitely like um, becomes realized over that time but also like I feel like I'm also like I get afraid of I'm just I'm terrified of abandonment like um I'm like I, I I guess like I'm afraid of I get afraid of like if I was the one being broken up with it would like tear me apart. So you do either end it then. You do either leave them and have them. Yeah. You. You're yeah. gonna beat them to the punch even if there was no punch to beat. Because I feel like it's inevitable anyway. Like one way or another, like something's gonna end it. I'm usually always the one being dumped. Really? I've only dumped like one person. Oh really? I've only, according to my sister, I had the joy of dumping one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I always feel like, I feel like, um, was it actually the joy? Uh, no, it wasn't, but I mean, we were very good friends beforehand. Oh, and sure. we still are to this day. It just, towards the end, I don't know what lasted, what, about six weeks. And it was just myself. It just felt like friends. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really feel that like emotional, like romantic connection, and I wasn't. I didn't want to waste the time or leave them on and be cruel. Yeah, yeah. Well, sounds like you did the right thing then. And we're still good friends because I was yeah. honest. I was like, hey, I just don't feel it. Like you're right. a really good person, just not for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and that's totally okay. I think part of it is sort of like a defense mechanism where it's like. I don't want to like something to happen that's gonna like damage or jeopardize like this interpersonal relationship. So like, I need to like keep people like at arm's length at all times. You know, it's 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 weird, honestly. Like, I like I I have a lot of like, I have like a lot of really really amazing friends, but a lot of them kind of know that about me that like I get really weird about like space sometimes, I don't know, but I guess that's why people make songs about stuff like that, you know? See, for me, my songs were, they were the songs I always wish I had. I always wish I had, because I wouldn't feel so alone. And maybe someone doesn't feel alone when listening to my music. And it's not meant to be an encouragement to, like, staying in that dark place or, like, going to it for no reason. 
It's about for the people who already feel that way, that they can feel that way and they can be validated in their emotions for one song, for how long they listen to my music, and not feel alone because I remember growing up and feeling that way and nobody else that I was interacting with really understood it at all. They couldn't even understand the, the logic behind it. They just didn't have that ability and so it was about that and then it was also because you know society focuses on being happy and my music is an answer to that about like yes being happy is important I mean I don't want us to be miserable all the time but you know sadness and grief are parts of life I mean no one lives forever I mean and so how do we deal with that and we can't just ignore it or like pretend everything is positive because not everything is and you know emotions are not just one face they're complex and and that was a why not enough is such a hard song because it's saying I love you but I wish you took your life away and it's not saying that it makes them love them any less but you're not the person I knew you're not the person I know anymore and honestly, I don't know what's better, you being crazy in your head or just you being so absent because of the medication that maybe it would have been better had you actually taken your life. And I'm not saying that, that people should take their lives, that should never, you know, you know, you should seek help beforehand, but it's about that emotional torpor and the things that people just aren't comfortable or it's not socially acceptable to talk about because they are very real. And the less we talk about them, the less help people get, and the more people struggle in silence. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we need. Correct. A hundred percent. A thousand percent that. Um, I think that, like, everything you're saying is, like, really, uh, it, it reflects, you know, a, a comfort and vulnerability that you want other people to have uh, when they listen to your music and like and also you know talking about when something is wrong and knowing that it's okay to ask for help knowing that it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling in that moment because that's you know that is really true that's you know that's true life you know like everything like you know yeah we, we you can't it's like you shouldn't force yourself to try to be happy if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling dejected you know like it's you're supposed to feel that way because otherwise then it's like you can't otherwise you have a lot of emotional confusion you know but like also, my music is about just like don't dwell on those feelings I like you know like sit in them for a bit you know feel sorry for yourself a day a week however long you need but don't do it forever. And that's yeah. something I've learned through time not to do. Don't sulk. Yeah. yeah, don't sulk. Don't like throw a pity party. Yeah. Don't be Melanie Martinez. Oh yeah, right. Um, although I do love her music. I adore her. That just the the whole aesthetic and how she actually works it is very it's very hard to do and get across and do well. But she does it so well and that's something that I really matter because it's it's so hard to get that manic across without just being over the top in a way that is relatable. Mm -hmm. Because you can do it and just scare everyone off. 
But if you do it in a relatable way where people can find themselves in it, and I hope I'm able to do that with my music where I'm able to get that. Because it's not just about depression. Everyone, you know, I remember I was talking to a very good friend of mine about my music. And they were like, you know, I actually think the most vulnerable I've ever seen you is when you're performing. Because you don't really talk about it. You just, you never talk about it. Mm -hmm. Every girl you've seen or you've dated has always complained that you just don't talk about your emotions. But when you perform, you're very, very vulnerable. You just leave it all out there. And, and for me that, one, it's a very healthy place because it's music, you can kind of get away with more, there's a leeway. But it's also, it's a place to not feel alone and just where there is that. And the more vulnerable I am in my music, the more authentic it is. And the more it's just, I'm telling stories. Yeah. These are stories that either I or other people I've known have gone through or I've had with other people. It's just people tell me it's great songs and I'm like, I wish I never had to write that. Mm -hmm. That's that's deep. Wow. I wish I never had to be able to write. Like there's this one song I wrote I played at not this FemFest but last FemFest. It was called BPS for my birth parents. And it goes like I wonder if you miss me, if you regret what you've done, would you have loved me if I had been your son? And I'm still mourning the life I never had. I don't remember you, so why am I so sad? Damn. And I don't play it because one, it's long, it's extremely long, and it's a very technical song, and you have to have very, I have to have very, my voice has to be pretty much perfect to play it. Because otherwise I'll just struggle throughout it. Mm -hmm. And um, just lyrically, it's a very hard song for me to do because it is talking about my birth parents. About just dealing with that, those, uh, the issue of like birth parents and abandonment. Because I just remember like feeling so upset one day and being like, I will probably never find my parents. With how hard it is to live in China right now. And I really wish I was something I could do, but it's just not really possible. Yeah. And so it's about like that time that I went and looked and just all those feelings about that anger and just, I'm just hurt. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's hard because it's like it, it's sort of that something that you don't know if you'll ever you'll ever truly have closure with um, especially because it's like you know impacted your life so so profoundly um, but um, it is really awesome that you're able to put those feelings into words into a song that um, as your your friend told you, like puts you in such a vulnerable spot where you can communicate that those feelings, not only for yourself but also, you know, for other people to feel those emotions that they might have trouble with too. So that's a real that's that's a real beautiful thing, and that's what makes music such a a very um, a very like sensual and emotional thing for a lot of people. So. Yeah, I remember uh, talking to Erica one night outside of what was it, Up and Under? 
Erica Meschke? Yes. Shout out to Erica. Woohoo! Um, and she was saying that she actually, when I played Bremen one time, she walked out of my performance. And she said it wasn't because I was a bad musician, she never thought that. But because my lyrics and my songs are just so emotional and just so heavy hitting, and she was not prepared for it that night. She's, she walked out wow. and she was just like, and she was at open door, she's like, I'm only saying this because, you know, I've been drinking, but, really? yeah. you know, like, I walked out because I couldn't handle the lyrics, they were too much. And I remember that same night, there was a black gentleman I've never seen before, I have, haven't seen since. I hope he's doing well. And after my set, he was like, good set, man. I was like, oh, thanks. And he just sat on the steps. He's like, I need to sit. I, I don't know what to do about that. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, your music is just so powerful. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I, I hope you're okay. Like, I yeah, hope you're in a yeah. good state. He's like, I am. I just, I haven't felt that in such a long time. Mm. And the fact that I'm able to give people that feeling, I don't know whether I'm giving it to them or helping them realize what's been inside all along or whatever. It's just... I'm proud of that, but I don't just want it to stop there where people just focus on, okay, now I feel miserable. Right. It has to go from somewhere. I don't think I'm the person to help people with that. I mean, maybe later on in my music I'll be able to do that. I can't predict the future. But for now, I think that a starting point of recognizing that everything is wrong, because that's the title of my album. Yeah. What is it? Everything is wrong. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, on that note, let's talk about that, your new album. Oh, it's... Oh, my goodness. I haven't even been working on it since summer. I'm such a procrastinator. Oh. Let hey. me just tell you. Well, you know what? Procrastinators you... unite tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, right. Oh, my God, yeah. Exactly. We were talking about that before we started recording. Like, um, But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, I guess um, our songs you've re you've dropped like a single's gonna be on it. Yes, a lot of them will be. I already have like eight or nine picked out. Okay. So like cope with love, abandon again, not enough, um, still alive, um, can't love anyone, drowning. It's hard to remember them all. It's sure. been such a long time. Yeah. Where are you uh, at with with like the process of it? Um, right now, I am not at the process at all. I'm still figuring out my mic situation, and I was not recording at all in summer. Just to, I live on the third floor of a very old apartment building with no AC. Oh damn! So when I was practicing in May for FamFest, I was literally sweating buckets. It was not comfortable, and neither was it fun. Is truly awful and I remember yeah. being like I cannot record tracks like this and I cannot record them with the fan on I'm not gonna have that white noise so I had to wait until the weather got cool enough where I could close my window you wouldn't hear the passerbyers on the street shouting or the cars and just right and so I really have to wait and now that that time is coming God knows with how the weather is right is that now I can start recording and so it just depends on my schedule and everything that's going on because right now I have a lot going on in my life. So sure. I'm working on that first because I need to make sure that my bills are paid. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have uh, any 
uh, shows coming up? I don't have any shows coming up just because I wanted to rest my voice. I enjoy playing shows, it's not that I don't enjoy them, but I over-practiced for FemFest. I overdid it, and my voice was under a lot of stress. And that by the time that I did the show, I was very wooden during my performance, and it was not as powerful as it could have been. I see. I, hey, I respect that. Um, you know, be at ease. You know, it's, that's a, it's a precious voice you have. Uh, hey, banana fish, uh, Victoria, um, had a great time talking to you about your music and everything. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. 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 I'm glad. I like your hat, by the way. Oh, thank you. I got it at, uh, past two days. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, so, uh, tell me what keeps you up at night. Um, what keeps me up at night is, uh, YouTube video essays. YouTube, YouTube video what? Essays. Really? Like, uh... Like, just, just learning. I love learning. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, I see. If I wasn't a Slytherin, I'd be a Ravenclaw, but don't say that. It's better than being a Gryffindor. I'm a Hufflepuff, actually. Anything's better than a Gryffindor. Oh. Good to know. <laughs> um, what puts you to sleep, though? Uh, what puts me to sleep is, uh, good music. Good music? So, what? Grizzly Bear, they're my favorite band. I love Grizzly Bear. I uh, I saw them when they came to Summerfest opening night with Kyle Kanowski, and uh, I will admit I did cry like oh a little God. baby because I love their music so much. And my favorite song is While You Wait For The Others. Oh, that's a fantastic song. I, yeah. I always like, I love that song so much. Yeah. Kyle and I covered Ready, Able, and Knife by them a few times. No way. Like, we did it in a house oh, show wow. in Chicago, and we did it at Circle Ray. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. I, uh, I used to be obsessed with Grizzly Bear. Um, out of high school, I, my friends and I, we made a music video to two weeks, and then... For a while, Knife was like my like most listened to song on Spotify. I actually have a tattoo. This is, it's hard to tell because it's so geometric, but this is a geometric grizzly bear. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Ed Drost and Chris Bear, Chris Taylor, and Daniel Rawson. Daniel Rawson, have you heard his own stuff? Uh, it's Department of Eagles, right? Uh, Department of Eagles is everyone but Jost, um, but Daniel Austin has his own solo stuff, and you oh. should listen to it. Okay. Oh, I will. I will. I totally will. Well, um, thank you for being on the show. Had a great time. Uh, I'll be posting links to uh, Banana Fish's music and uh, SoundCloud as well. I have Sound SoundCloud. SoundCloud as well. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy, and we will see you next time.